Hi, this is Varun Haran, Principal Correspondent for Information Security Media Group. I have with me the CTO of Trend Micro, Raimund Gaines, who is going to be speaking to us a little bit about how attacks are getting cheaper and getting down market and the dangers arising from targeting attacks to smaller enterprises today and the top disruptive techs in the market today and the implications for the security practitioner. Hi, Raimund. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Varun. Raimund, last time we spoke, you told me about how breaches have gone down markets. It's now so much easier. We spoke about how the hacker team charges 400k euro, whereas in the underground, you can get something for as low as 600 euro. So how is it going to affect the landscape per se? And what are the implications for smaller and medium enterprises? The implications is that... uh Everything is nowadays a targeted attack. We had a panel with Indian CISOs and actually we had the discussions that it's so difficult because your anti-spam solution isn't working anymore because everything you see is targeted against this company. So it's getting so cheap to conduct targeted attacks and to really focus on something with the tools you could buy in the underground with dedicated attack servers that it's really concerning for companies because they traditional tools they used for IT security are just baseline. They keep away the noise, they keep away the non-targeted stuff, but they don't work anymore against targeted attacks. And as mentioned also last time, targeted attacks are conducting the stuff. The tools you need to conduct it is getting cheaper and cheaper. And you know, traditionally, Asian enterprises have been uh, known for their perimeter mindset. Indian enterprises, for example, have been very poor on the detection and response side of things. They have very poor visibility into the network, like you said, lateral movement. Once the attacker is in the network, how do you detect what is going on? So with new enterprises coming into the digital space, you have smaller, medium enterprises now looking at security as a legitimate spend. Where do you start you know, leaving the traditional perimeter mindset behind? You still need the perimeter, but that's for me baseline. So for me, it's don't spend so much. Find a baseline layer, which is keeping away the noise. Instead, really spend in a technology like breach detection system, figuring out lateral movements and so on. And especially for a small company, that's not that expensive. And on the other hand, you know, do you really need to have everything in-house? Do you need to have your exchange infrastructure in-house? Or isn't it better to outsource this to Microsoft? Isn't it better to use Office 365 to use stuff in the cloud? Because also Microsoft is offering some baseline security. And if you need more security, vendors like Trend Micro are offering cloud app security for Office 365, cloud app encryption. When you use Amazon, you could checkbox uh, technology from us, which actually makes deployment pretty easy. So the question is, especially for SMB companies, do they need this big blinking box to protect the parameter or do they rather rely on a more flexible uh, structure using cloud technology, which actually could be cheaper, could be more secure and especially is more resilient because if you have a power outage and your uninterruptible power supply runs out of power, which sometimes might be the case in India, this doesn't happen to your cloud provider. Every breach we have heard about in the last year and a half, all the major breaches, people are talking about learnings from them. Now, most, say, 70% of reported breaches happen in the U.S., right? And arguably, that is a much more mature market compared to markets like Asia. So what went wrong? I mean, having reasonable amount of security, what is it that they did wrong? And what are the learnings from that for this region? At first, I'm not sure if they're more sophisticated. Like, for example, uh, India, when you do online banking, you use two-factor authentication. US, it's username and password. 
So which market is more secure? Definitely the Indian population is trained to use two-factor. Is it used properly? Is it used, you know, effective? I'm not so sure. But definitely you have some security measures in place, which the US is lacking so far. They now start to introduce chip and pin, which wasn't the case uh, forever. Which They needed a presidential order. Exactly, totally to do it, which for me is, it was a surprising. I was in US last week and it was the first time ever in US where I paid with chip and pin. I really felt good about it, but it was really unusual. And the stuff also was, oh, you're the first one. Does this really work and so on? And oh, you don't need to sign in more. And I know that's why I typed in the pin. So it's interesting. So I wouldn't say, you know, that US is more sophisticated. And when we look at the breaches, you know, unfortunately, it seems that a lot of companies haven't learned about it because the same attack, especially in POS systems, was happening before. So definitely the companies also being affected afterwards should have been warned. A lot of things about uh, have been obviously conducted by insider. Wasn't Edward Snowden an insider? Wasn't it clear, you know, after so much stuff was transferred out of the NSA that other companies also might have this uh, issue or maybe they should be more careful with trusting everybody. Maybe they should be more restrictive with what they grant to system administrators and so on. So you definitely could learn. And I don't think that they have learned enough. I think that brings up the interesting aspect of breach notification. What are your views on breach notification? There are people who are for it, against it. But of course, the argument goes that, you know, if a breach does happen and your peers are not informed, the same technique, the same malware goes and infects other systems. So the ecosystem is at risk because of this lack of information, because of this lack of awareness. Yeah. What are you I, I'm for it. I'm definitely for breach notification. And this is also why what we are reading about US and that 70% of all global attacks happening in US. At first, US is a big market. All these research companies doing the statistics normally are US companies or have the biggest, mar biggest market share in US. So it's logical based on the data sets that they are pointing towards US and US has a breach notification law like most countries in Europe and in Asia don't have it. I have to say yet because Europe will have one by 2018 and that's actually good because as you mentioned this actually gives a heads up to other companies. What's happening at the moment it's informal. They share information with thirds, they share information within inner circle, like the banking community. So they, they are informations, I would say, floating around. And there are, you know, governments, law enforcement telling companies because they've seen something all ad hoc without mentioning any names. Be careful because something happened to somebody within your vertical. You know, I've heard you say this before, that is, you know, don't treat all systems the same, conduct your risk assessment, figure out your risk appetite. But of course, all these things are very basic security hygiene. Why is it that companies are still not following it? Because basic hygiene is not sexy. Because, you know, when you do this, you actually, as an IT department, they look at you and say, but that's basic. But they still don't implement it. Then you have to enforce it. And then you are the department of no. Then you are the guy who is looking at, have you really implemented? Then you are the guy, you know, who's using a ruler and hit somebody on the fingers, which hurts. But you have to do it to do this basic hygiene. But it's more sexy to go to a conference like, you know, RSA or like Black Hat or something and come back with a nice 
data sheet which tells you when you buy this solution you are the hero because it's a silver bullet and protects against everything and it's so easy to show this nice data sheet and you know customer references and nice additional white papers to the board and say we need to invest in this it's easier than saying you know hey let's at first do the basic right before we look at the tools a more reliable approach and where you also, as a security professional, as a CISO, chief information officer, chief security officer, or even system administrator in a small company, how they keep the job is to do the basics right and telling the management team, hey, we have to invest here and there, but be careful, we also have to do the basics, and we have to do the basics first. But again, it's not sexy, so the board, the management team has to support this approach. You discuss the top disruptive technologies today. So from a security perspective, which of these pose the greatest challenge? And if you can just run through some of them. Oh, well, I talked about cloud computing and cloud computing yeah, is now common. Uh, we started to work with the Cloud Security Alliance a long time ago now. We invested heavily in our relationship with VMware, AWS. So we're definitely addressing the security problems, the security problems there. And that's good if you think about it. So you could use cloud actually as an opportunity to make it safer and to make it more resilient by using tools from Micro as a security players, which are very well interwoven into the cloud infrastructure. So I'm not so concerned about this. If you do it right, you actually could improve, increase security. It's the same with virtualization technology, like using uh, hypervisors, using VMware NSX, and really doing your uh, micro-segmentation between network segments. You could do amazing thing with software-defined networks, even fooling the attacker by rerouting traffic. So I see this as a plus. I see this as a positive by providing the tools and working together with these uh, providers. As from a technology point of view, of course, you have to implement it right and it doesn't make it easier. You need some experts to do it. Uh, where I'm really concerned is mobile devices because it could be uh, bring your own disaster instead of bring your own device because a lot of companies and here especially India is leapfrogging they're just accepting that people are bringing in private devices people do whatever they want to do and it's true it's increasing productivity which is good on the other hand it also increases the risk that somebody gets into the corporate network via this device, that somebody steals the logging credential and then uses it from another device. So you need to be careful there that it doesn't become bring your own disaster. But my biggest worry at the moment actually are devices you can't patch. And this could be uh, an Internet of Thing device like your light bulb and whatever. Okay, what could go wrong if somebody hacks your light bulb? It looks funny. It sounds funny. And it's okay in a home environment. Okay, then your light bulb change color or is off or your TV is off or your camera and the TV is on, which is already bad for, you know, uh, again, uh, then publishing the pictures you have grabbed via the camera might be bad for your career in your professional life. But it's all small scenarios the press is jumping on. My bigger concern are more these industrial devices, the industrial IoT devices, because you have hyper-connectivity there as well. You have factories being connected with the internet, the robots are connected to the internet and never should have been connected to the internet. You have smart meters everywhere and when you have a vulnerability in these systems, now a cyber attacker out of the sun could shut down a power grid or really could do bad things which actually could risk human lives. 
But you don't even need to be connected. They're attacking air gap networks now. Yeah, absolutely. And and all this kind of stuff and this hyper connectivity really makes it difficult. And our current approach, you know, somehow trying to shield the systems or trying to patch the systems afterwards will not work anymore. It would be way better actually to record the status of a known good system. I'm talking about system lockdown. I'm talking about whitelisting of systems and then only allowing what you know is known good and not allowing everything else. With this, and I think only when you do this, you should be able to connect these devices. You know, I spoke to you about leapfrogging. Yeah. You know, developing markets are seeing a lot mm-hmm. of leapfrogging as yeah. far as technology is concerned. Now, in a sense, uh, you know, learning from maturing markets is a good thing because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But new developments that are happening here that nobody's ever seen before. So, in your opinion, mm-hmm. you know, what are some developments in the security yeah. space that you see in this market mm-hmm. that is new and that is, the West has not seen? Yeah. That might be a concern. I don't know if it's actually a concern or if it's, if it's something good because leapfrogging means that you are first and you are doing something nobody else is doing. But as you are the only one doing it at the moment, you might not be on the radar of the attacker. Because on one hand, it's a more shielded market. It's not the biggest economy on earth. That's number one. Number two, you're doing something other people don't do. So you are less attractive as a target by doing something different and by leapfrogging. So it will take a while as well till the cyber criminals are following. So leapfrogging is not a bad thing. And again, if you do the security basics right, like leapfrogging, and I'm not talking about sophisticated stuff, then you might be pretty well off. Thanks, Raymond, for speaking with us. Thank you. That was Raymond Gaines, CTO, Trend Micro. For ISMG, this is Varun Haran. Thank you for listening.